Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real. Goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk live here on YouTube. Welcome to everyone who's watching. Welcome to anyone who's listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you are listening on there, please be sure to hit that follow button. Check out the links in the description of this episode. And as always, leave us a five-star review. We've got a lot to talk about today. The NFL Week 3 is in the books, and a lot happened. A lot of interesting stuff happened. Justin Tucker, football god Justin Tucker, has set the NFL record for a field goal, longest field goal in NFL history, 66 yards. It is insane what happened. Uh, a lot of bad stuff happened last night, too, in WWE Extreme Rules, but we will talk about that tomorrow night on Re on Real Take Wrestle Talk with Trevor uh, and me. So that's going to be addressed there. But a lot of stuff happened in Week 3. There's some news out of the NBA that is concerning for many Brooklyn Nets fans and some news about Ben Simmons, about Ben Simmons and his future or lack thereof in the city of brotherly love in Philadelphia. So a lot to get to. Again, though, as always, if you're watching this on YouTube, please be sure to hit that like button, help out the algorithm, subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Um, so let's get started this, this day or this day. Let's, let's start today. I should say with NFL week three. So a lot happened during week three of the NFL. We saw Thursday night Texans lost to the Panthers 24 to nine. Sam Darnold is who we thought he was coming out of the draft. 30 to 24 was the final score as the Kansas city chiefs lost to the Los Angeles Chargers. Chiefs are now one and two in that division. Chargers lead. Uh, Chargers and Broncos are going to be fighting for the that division, and now Chiefs are in a. Chiefs are actually in last place by themselves. So that was interesting. Cardinals thirty-one nineteen over the Jaguars. We'll talk about Justin Fields and that terrible performance from the Chicago Bears and their coaching staff after the twenty-six to six loss in Cleveland. The Buffalo Bills shellacked the Washington Football Team forty-three twenty-one. Tennessee Titans. Shellacked, or sorry, not shellacked, but easily, pretty easily, honestly, controlled the game, beat the Indianapolis Colts 25-15. Saints over the Patriots 28-13. And in the first official, I think we can officially call this the first official tank bowl of the year, Falcons over the Giants 17-14. That draft pick ain't, ain't getting much better for the Falcons. 24-10, the Bengals beating, yes, Cincy, beating the trash-ass Steelers, 24-10. We'll talk about that game. I'm sure Cincy is, is just as excited as anyone in the chat uh, to talk about that. Ravens, my Ravens, because of the aforementioned greatest kicker in NFL history, Justin Tucker, 19-17 over the Detroit Lions' as game as time on the clock expired. Tucker hit a 66-yard field goal. That graphic is wrong. The Jets did not win that game 26-0. They lost 26-0, so we'll fix that. Um, but, yeah, Jets got shut out. Another terrible performance by that offense. 31-28, Miami losing to uh, the Raiders. 34-24, the Rams over the Bucks, And the Rams might just be who we thought they were. Uh, the Vikings over the Seahawks, thirty to seventeen, and in a nail-biting affair, the Giant or sorry, the Green Bay Packers very, very, very closely lost to the San Francisco 49ers. That was a good back and forth at the end of that game, but week three was interesting. Week three was interesting. Um, obviously, uh, I have my biggest takeaway, which we'll talk about more in depth later, and that is the Justin Tucker uh sixty-six yard game-winning field goal. But uh, I have a few big takeaways. Number one uh, is obviously what happened in that chi in that Chargers and Chiefs game. So the Chiefs are now one and two. This means that they have now have a losing record and they're in possession of sole place for last in the a in the AFC West. That is a big freaking deal if you're a Chiefs fan because not only does that mean you're in last place, but that also means it it also comes at a juncture that is very critical for them early on in the season. The season is just getting started and it's a long one, but we're seeing teams like the Broncos benefiting from the fact that they have an e easier schedule and taking full advantage of that. The Broncos are 3-0 right now. 
Right now, the Chargers are looking hot. They are looking very good, and that is a problem for the Chiefs because for 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 the past year, or, or at least this offseason, people were wondering when is when are the Chargers going to take that next step? When are they going to elevate themselves to the level of the Chiefs? Because we know what Justin Herbert can do. We know what that offense especially can do, and that defense, they're not slouches over there. But when are they going to take that step and actually challenge the Chargers for uh, superiority in that division? And the reality is the battle for superiority has already started and it is being won right now by the Raiders and the Broncos who are 3-0. <laughs> the Raiders are 3-0. They actually beat the Ravens who the Chiefs lost to, albeit by one point. But this is a tough division. The AFC West might be one of, if not the toughest division in football right now. And that I know it's early. I know that might be capped later on in the season. But as of right now, you can't deny it. Even though the Chiefs are 1-2, and two, they are still one of the most high-powered offenses in the entire NFL. The Chargers, 2-1. They, we know what they can do. We know what Justin Herbert is about. The Broncos and the Raiders, meanwhile, two teams that many people thought were going to be afterthoughts in this division... Three weeks in are 3-0. and oh. Again, taking full advantage of their week schedules. The Broncos especially, and, and the way they've done it, the way the Broncos have done it, they're not just squeaking out wins over teams. They are just shellacking teams. Th think about this. The Broncos currently have a point differential of 76-26. to 26. Their offense is not at scoring as many points as a lot of the other offenses in the league because they don't need to. The, the defense is leading the way, and that makes the Broncos, in my opinion, a very dangerous team. They can cover. They can rush the passer, especially. We saw that w with what happened to Zach Wilson the other night. So, this, so the Broncos, I think, are a team that are going to be, I think, more so in the in the in the thick of things towards the end of the season and potentially for a playoff spot. And if you ask me, the Raiders are still a little bit of a of a of a of an afterthought as far as what are they going to be you know, 16 or like 10 weeks down the road. They always have very good starts. In 2019, they started 6-2, and two, and they, they ended up like, what, 7-9. and nine. Last year, again, started like 6-2, and 6-3, and three, ended up 8-8. Eight and eight. So they're a team that just, they have these very good starts to seasons where they look like they're playoff teams. They look like they're contenders. People are ready to crown them. And then they fall off. That's the story of the Oakland Raiders under this era of John Gruden, and that is the story of of just David Carr or sorry Derek Carr's entire career. He he he's been to the playoff once, and the one time they got there, he got injured before he even got a chance to go there, and that makes me feel bad for Derek Carr. But the reality is, I still don't have enough faith in the Raiders to compete for this division in the long run. Could they prove me wrong? Absolutely. I just don't see it because I don't see that that improvement as far as, you know, really being able to put put your foot down offensively and and honestly play very good defense. There's still holes in that defense that teams can can take advantage of. Broncos on the other hand, that defense is stout. The offense it's not the it's not the the flashiest, but it's efficient. And Teddy Bridgewater is playing good football. That is a problem. If you are the Chiefs, the Chiefs are now dealing with at least two right now, three teams that look like they're ready for the playoffs, that look like they're ready to compete, that look like they are ready to take the mantle of champions of the NFC West or AFC West. And for the Chiefs, that is a major problem because their entire uh, buildup, their entire offense uh, or so their entire uh, uh, future rather depends on them winning this division. So that was one of my biggest takeaways from this weekend. And the other one, obviously, has to do with the AFC North. Now, the AFC North right now is is a is an interesting division because in the AFC North, you have a team like the Steelers, which who went, 12, uh, I believe, 11-0 to start the year last year, if I'm correct. Right. They went 11-0 to start the year last year. You have the Browns, who are coming off their first playoff appearance in, I believe, 20 years. The Ravens, who many people think are still contenders. And the Bengals, who are an up-and-coming team. That was the story of this division last year. The story of this division this year is a little different. 
Right now, the story of the AFC North is how, oh my, oh my, how much the Steelers have fallen. Because the Steelers team that went 11-0 to start the year last year is not this team that has has just honestly goofed in the past two weeks and just lost two games in on a very disappointing and and terrible fashion, honestly, especially this game to the Bengals. And I'll say this. I'll give Cincy, who's in the chat right now, his due. That game was more about how good the Bengals were than how bad the Steelers were. Even though the Steelers, I'll say it, and I admit it, are really bad. The Bengals wanted it more. That's what it came down to. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase came out there, and they did their thing, and they were efficient at doing it. And it doesn't matter who or or what uh, they did in the past. The Pittsburgh Steelers just don't have it anymore the Bengals right now look like a team that do even though Joe Burrow and that offensive line still have a lot to be figured out there's a lot to figure out there this is a team that I think could be a dark horse to make the playoffs and they are young they are not in contention right now but they could soon be if they get a good offensive tackle build that line and really build the back end of that defense. Because I, there are holes in that secondary that I think need to be addressed if you're a Bengals fan. Bra- Browns, on the other hand, they look pretty good. OBJ came back, caught five passes, about 70 yards, looking pretty good. They run the ball very well. That's a contender right there. The Baltimore Ravens, oh, they have no, they don't, they don't have any running backs that were on the roster in the preseason right now. But right now, they're 2-1. Kicker just made a 66-yard field goal. Baltimore Ravens beat the Chiefs. Baltimore Ravens were in it against the Raiders, who are 3-0 right now, up until uh, the end of overtime. Lamar Jackson is still in his MVP form of two years ago, just around a lot worse pieces. Marquise Hollywood-Brown can't catch the ball. That secondary was depleted, but they are still at it. They are still at it. They play tough defense. They run it down your throat, and they punch you in the mouth. That's what makes this team different, in my opinion. But that's what it is. Cincy in the chat says, the Bengals steamrolled the squealers. Yes, they did. Justin Tucker is a pretty cool dude. Yes, he is. Tied, but who the fuck cares? Who tied? I don't think anyone tied. But, um, but yeah. Anyway. So that was so that were a few of my takeaways from this week in in the NFL. Uh, we'll we'll go over some some of the other happenings of in the NFL uh, in just a little bit. But if you guys haven't already, please be sure to hit that like button, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released, and subscribe as always. Just give me a second as I pull up our next topic. So. That was just a little bit of our uh, NFL uh, background, I, I guess you can say. Bengals are tied for number one in the division. Yes, Cincy, you're, you are correct. You are 100% correct. Um, anyway, let's move on and talk about the NBA because there was some big news out of the NBA this week involving one of the most prominent players on this Philadelphia 76ers. So uh, let's get to that. Woj reported last week that Ben Simmons, the Philadelphia 76ers guard, is done with Philly, claiming that Simmons intends to never play another game for the 76ers. Simmons struggled mightily in their playoff losses in the... Ah, ah, fuck me. I messed that up. Uh, It's just not one of those days, is it, for me? It's just not one of those days. My voice is really tired. It's okay. Two take Omar coming up. Adrian Wojnarowski reported this week that Ben Simmons is done with Philadelphia. He claimed that the Philadelphia 76ers guard never intends to play another game for the 76ers. Simmons struggled mightily last year in the playoffs, not being able to hit shots from the field in their loss to the Hawks, not being able to hit free throws at all, basically, throughout the playoffs. He was very inconsistent, and shooting for him has been a problem. He's been amongst some of the worst players shooting the ball in the league comparatively to how much he's on the court, and that is big when you're talking about a the point guard position and the way that you're supposed to use the point guard or the way that the point guards in the NBA are used these days. It is a big problem for the 76ers. And 
A lot of people in, in Philadelphia might be asking, well, what does this mean for Philadelphia? A lot of people who are Ben Simmons fans, and if you are, please let me know, might be asking why this is happening or what's next and, and if this is the right decision. Let me address whether or not this is the right decision. For the 76ers, I truly believe this is the right decision. Moving on from Ben Simmons would not only hopefully lessen the cap number that you have and and the amount of money you're spending on your contracts and give you the potential to bring someone else in down the line who can actually help you win a title, but also you get rid of one of, honestly, the biggest crutches on your team, your point guard, who is great defensively, who can attack the paint, but whose offensive ability does not fit the way that your team is constructed and the way that your offense runs. The Philadelphia 76ers are not, they're not going to win in the way that Ben Simmons' skills are set up. They are not built to win like that. Even Joel Embiid, who is a seven foot center, is a type of guy who can hit shots on the perimeter. Ben Simmons cannot do it. He doesn't have the ability. The past few off seasons, they have tried. Ben Simmons has gone to different uh, trainers. He's gone to different shooting camps. He's done it all. They have tried and tried again, offseason after offseason, and nothing has worked. Nothing has worked. His shooting skills have not gotten better, actually. Last year, they actually got worse. So the question is, really, what are the 76ers gaining from Ben Simmons? Yes, he's great defensively. Okay, you could have gone out and signed Dennis Schroeder if you wanted a good defensive player. Someone's going to steal the ball. At least Dennis Schroeder can shoot. And I'm not saying Ben Simmons doesn't have the ability, but we were saying for years, man, for years, the big thing about Ben Simmons, and I was one of those people for a very long time, was, well, Ben Simmons, when he's able to shoot, he's going to look very good. When he learns to shoot, when he gets more consistent in his shooting ability, he is going to be ruthless. He's going to be like LeBron. I was one of those people who actually believed that. And I, you know what? He's still young. He's 25. He's just a year older than me. That doesn't mean he can't. But we are four years into his career, and he is beginning to regress. And and I'm not saying regress if you in the in the in the sense that oh well you know he's he's not doing well uh, in you know he well he didn't shoot before right a lot of people want to say well he didn't even shoot threes now he's attempting him at least yeah look at his numbers from the playoffs though from the free throw line he's regressing way more than he, you honestly any player should he started in in his rookie year or sorry in the in 2018 he was 70 percent from the free throw line that went down in 2019 to 57% and then last year in the playoffs, it went all the way down to 34%. He started missing shots in the fourth quarter. He was still making a lot of the shots on the inside. But again, that's all he can provide offensively. And it's points per game. They decreased in the playoffs dramatically as, as the farther they went in. And last year, he had a career low in points in the regular season. He is a great facilitator who honestly should be a great player but he's not. And the difference that the difference between him being great as a player and 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 him uh, just being, you know, a very good player is his lack of ability to shoot. There are a lot of things you you can get away with in the NBA. Defense is one of them. In 2021, you don't really need to know how to play defense. That is the truth. Look at James Harden. He wrecked the league for the past eight years. James Harden has been wrecking this league. And you know what? He's never, I don't think I've ever seen James Harden hustle on defense. That I don't think I've ever seen James Harden really try on defense. There's a reason that that, that trope exists. It's because he doesn't, because he doesn't need to. Because in the NBA, what gets you over, what gets you... To over the hump, rather, is your offense. That is what the game has has been switching to. That's the direction it's been going for a long time. And we want to say, well, we're going towards more an offensive game. No, we are that that time is here. The NBA is offensively driven. Yes, you do, you still need great defensive players, but that doesn't mean that every player needs to be a defensive stud. And if you're asking me, Ben Simmons, for most of the time he's out there for the Philadelphia 76ers, he's a liability. Ben Simmons doesn't work on that team given the role that he has right now. 
Simmons, I think, could work on a, a plethora of other teams. He could work on the Blazers. He could work on... Um, well, if, if they didn't trade for uh, the for Russell Westbrook, he could have worked on the Lakers. That's not happening now. But there, there were a bunch of places where Ben Simmons could have worked. And I, I genuinely believe that Ben Simmons can still salvage his career as a role player, as maybe a third on a championship team because he can't be a second. He's just not consistent enough scoring. That is the God's honest truth. He is just not a consistent enough scorer, and he can't get it done. Um, there are, and, and there are, like I said, there's a lot of things you can get away with. If you're not able to score, if you're not able to hit the, the three ball, it's not, it is not going to be fun. It's not going to be fun to play with you and because your team is restricted. You're only going to get up to a certain level. That's why the 76ers have been, you know, only getting to that certain level in the playoffs. The farthest they got was what? The conference championship and they're just not they're they're just not gonna get there as long as Ben Simmons is there. So if you're a 76ers fan, you should be you should be happy. The only thing that's going to worry you if you're a 76ers fan is what the hell are you gonna get back? <laughs> like seriously, what would the 76ers get back for Ben Simmons realistically? Because what team is really gonna take it? There are teams that are gonna take him to probably, you know, eat cap or get some draft picks in return. But at the or or cash compensation, but at the end of the day, he's even as a even as a draft or even as a trade piece, he's a bit of a liability because are is there really are there really going to be some are there really going to be some contenders trying to trade for Ben Simmons? I could see I could see maybe the Warriors, but that's if you really want to break it up. Like, like the, the, there's a scenario from the Warriors where you send Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman as the key pieces in the trade for Ben Simmons. I don't like that because I think James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins honestly mean more to the Warriors than Ben Simmons would. There's just not one definite place for me where Ben Simmons goes and he is like an automatic fit and gets that team over the edge. Like, the He's a piece that you would really want to bring in if you're a GM. And I, I just don't know what that team would be. I don't know what that what that trade would look like right now. So we'll see what happens, though. Um, in case you guys haven't already, please hit that like button, help out the algorithm, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Um, so let's move on, uh, go back to the NFL before I do that. Let me just hit up the chat real quick. Since he edits in the chat says, prominent is like the opposite of Ben Simmons. Oh, you've got jokes, don't you, Cincy? You, you, you've, you've got jokes for days. Yeah, Ben Simmons is a prominent player. I'm not going to argue that. He is definitely a prominent player. Uh, he is a star. He's a former number one overall pick. That's why he's prominent. The issue is the effect that he has on your offense just isn't prominent. So... That's how you want to go about it. And yeah. Anyway, let's move on and talk about the NFL uh, or kind of ga gauging back to the NFL, going back rather to the NFL. I am tongue tied for days today, guys. I am so sorry. But let's go back to the NFL and talk about one of the bigger stories of the past few weeks, and that is Josh Gordon. So for those who don't know, oh, sorry, let me change that. For those who don't know, Josh Gordon has been reinstated. Former All-Pro wide receiver Josh Gordon, who recently was informed that he was reinstated, is planning on signing a contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. And Gordon is flying to Kansas City on Monday and expected to be signed to the practice squad tonight with the expectation that he will eventually be promoted to the main roster somewhere down the line. Gordon is currently 30. Is had multiple teams contact him and express interest in signing him. But one of the attractions of playing in Kansas City was making it a long-term stop, spending multiple seasons there. And according to his agent, uh, that is something that he has really been driven by. He wants to find the next place. He wants his next place, rather, to be somewhere where he's going to be for a long time. Um, we all know Josh Gordon's uh, battle with substance abuse issues. We all know that Josh Gordon, he's been suspended multiple times because of those issues from the league. But and on and it's on the flip side, in his very short amount of time that he's been playing, he's shown that he can be an effective player and he is a 
game-changing player for whatever team he's on. So there's a lot to like about Josh Gordon. And personally, this is something that, that I have been always kept a close eye on. I've always kept a close eye on Josh Gordon and his story and with those these developments in his career because I am someone who believes that Josh Gordon is probably going is going to go down as one of the most underrated what if stories in the NFL history. Josh Gordon is someone who came out in the supplemental draft in 2012. He he wasn't eligible to play um, his final year in college, so he came out in the supplemental draft. The Browns spent a second-round pick to get him. They got him, and immediately he showed potential, and he showed exactly why he was going to be a game-changing wide receiver. 16 games right there on the graphic. 16 games is rookie season, 50 catches, 805 yards. Led the, the Browns that year. He was their best player. Boom. 2013, gets suspended for a few games. Oh, plays 14 games. And in 14 games in his second year in the NFL on, on a terrible Browns team, Josh Gordon has 87 catches, 1,646 yards, and nine touchdowns. Remember, the NFL record for at that time was, I believe, 1,700 yards or somewhere along that, those lines, 1,700, 1,800 yards. And Josh Gordon had hit 1,600 in 14 games. There was... The, the potential was sky high for Josh Gordon at that point. And then, you know, his demons got the best of him, and we saw what happened. He got suspended. He reinstated later in 2017 after he missed two seasons. And he played well for the Browns, got traded to the Patriots. After that, went over to the Seahawks. Was a key piece for them in 2018. And then finally, he was suspended again after those problems reared their ugly head once more, one more time. And th so that's why I believe Josh Gordon is one of the best what-if stories. Because you, you can't help but think. Obviously, the number one priority is you know his health and where he is. And, and hoping that he, all of his issues are figured out. However, for me, personally... I always was fascinated by by you know someone who had that much ability and and what he could have done. But that's all that's all NFL history now we can talk about that forever but he's going to Kansas City. That's where he looks like he's signing, he's going to be there and he's going to be catching balls from Patrick Mahomes sooner rather than later. And assuming he's going to be on the field, assuming all that stuff works out, I think this is a big impact signing for Kansas City. They are one and two right now. That a AFC West is not in an easy division any longer. You had the Broncos who were 3-0, the Raiders who were 3-0, the Chargers who were 2-1 and, and just beat you. So if you're the Chiefs and you have a losing record right now, you're thinking to yourselves, how are we going to compete with the rest of this division? How are we going to compete with the rest of these offenses? And how do we get better? That's what it's about for the Chiefs. Because defensively, I don't know if there's really a long-term answer, at least in this season, to really fix that. However, right now, what you can do to kind of mend things is find that replacement for that Sammy Watkins spot. Because they lost Sammy Watkins, obviously, to the Ravens this past year in, in free agency. So, And Nicole Hardman hasn't really come on the way that they really wanted him to. Tyreek Hill still doing his thing. Travis Kelsey is still one of the best tight ends in the league. But that second, real, that third really receiving spot is, is still up for grabs. And if you put Josh Gordon in there, it does one of two things. One, it could push McCole Hartman to be better or push him into a more prominent role. Or two, Josh Gordon comes in and takes over that role. And he could be very effective in there. Josh Gordon is someone who has stayed in shape. We've, we've, we've talked about it before. He has been ready for an NFL comeback for a very long time. And I, I truly believe he has some of the strongest hands I have ever seen. I watched him in Cleveland those, those first few years very closely as a Ravens fan because there was one player on the Browns that struck fear into my heart, that struck fear into my eyes when I watched him on the field, and that was Josh Gordon because he could burn us. And I knew it. Everyone in the league knew it. And in 2013, he did. So he, I think he is someone who, has, when he's focused on football, when, that's his, prom, when it, that's his primary focus, he is someone who is locked in, and he's one of the best on the field. 
even if that doesn't translate immediately into um, great stats now, I think in prominent moments he's shown that he can be great. And it doesn't hurt the fact that he has Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball now. I think that's going to play a big part into him. And he's he's had good relationship with people like Tom Brady. He had a great relationship with Russell Wilson. So this is a guy who can come in and, and have that good relationship with great quarterbacks. He has that rapport around the league as someone who is who, who great quarterbacks trust. So I truly believe that this, this is going to be a great fit. And... As far as, you know, what does he have left in the tank? I think we're going to see pretty soon. We're going to see pretty soon. Um, and I do want to say one more thing about Josh Gordon. There are a lot of misconceptions about him because there's a lot of people and, you know, there's prominent people on um, on networks like ESPN who have been who've been saying stuff about Josh Gordon that, frankly, isn't true. There's a lot of people who claim that Josh Gordon was suspended multiple times for just strictly marijuana. Even though those rumors and those things turned out not to be true, there were other issues at play as well. There wasn't just marijuana. You know, the NFL doesn't suspend for marijuana anymore. But there's a lot of people who said that if Josh Gordon could lay off the weed, duh, and that's a quote, then maybe he wouldn't have been suspended and, and maybe he wouldn't keep, be keep getting suspended. And... For people who made those reductive arguments, I hope that, you know, they come out and, and, and own up to those words and own up and take responsibility for those because it's not as simple as, you know, just not just, oh, stopping smoking because it, it wasn't just those things that, 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 were the, that were the reason for Josh Gordon getting suspended. It wasn't just marijuana. There were other things at play. Um and, you know, for, for someone to put it in such a reductive way, for someone to really reduce it down to one thing and, and make that the narrative behind someone's career when there are real problems, real mental health problems, real substance abuse issues going on in someone's life, I think it's a sh pretty shitty thing to do. So I hope the people who did that own up to it, apologize for it, and really make amends for trying to ruin someone's reputation. Because... We've all we all probably know someone or, or at least, you know, ha, or have been affected somehow by substance abuse issues or have know someone who is affected. And it, it's nothing to laugh about. It's nothing to make fun of. It's nothing to really, you know, just just ridicule someone about on your net, on your daily TV show. So that's all I wanted to say. Uh, that, that was something that's been pissing me off for a long time. And I just wanted to clear that up, in my opinion. Anyway, we'll go to the chat real quick, but if you guys haven't already, please hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. We have daily videos on wrestling, football, basketball, and many, many more sports, so check those out. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to hit that like or be sure to hit that follow button and leave a five-star review. Um, before we get to our next thing, let's talk about let's go in the chat real quick. Ryan Woodridge asks, hi, bro, what's your thoughts on Adams got hit hard last night in the Packers win? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a hard hit, but, uh, you know, Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the league, and he, he really proved it last night, didn't he, after he got uh, behind those uh, that secondary on the last play of the game. So he's, 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 he's great. He's going to be fine. I think he is fine now. So um, Ryan also asks, hi, hi, bro. I brought to you too, Ryan. I need advice on picking my team before Thursday's game. So who should I pick this week in the NFL? Well, Thursday night, uh, I forgot who's playing. It's the Jaguars and the Bengals, if I'm not correct. So, Ryan, here's what you're doing. You're taking the Bengals in that game. You are 100% taking the Bengals in that game. There's, I don't, I don't see Urban Meyer right now as a winning NFL coach. Um, even, no matter how poised Trevor Lawrence is, and he is very poised, I just don't see uh, Urban Meyer translating to the NFL right now. He has not been able to make that transition successfully, and it's playing out right now. Uh, Ryan asks, who's going to win tonight's game? Tonight's game between the Eagles and the Cowboys. I am going to ride with the Eagles. I think Justin, uh, or sorry, Jalen Hurts has, has been showing for the past few weeks why he had that confidence and why the Eagles really picked him to be that starter to begin the year. And 
I think tonight it's going to all come together. I also think the Cowboys are very weak in their secondary. They've allowed a lot of points to these to their past few opponents, and without the they're missing a few offensive linemen, a few key offensive linemen, one of whom we'll talk about in just a minute, right after this uh, question is over. But they're missing a lot of key pieces. That Eagles pass rush got after the 49ers a little bit last week and, and got some penetration. So look for the Eagles, I think, in this game to upset the Cowboys. That, that's who I have in this game. So And I think it's just a matter of time before they put it all together. And this, this NFC East is just going to be another crapshoot this year. The Giants are not eliminated, by the way, in case uh, any Giants fans are wondering. The Giants are definitely not eliminated yet. Since he asked the wrestling question... He had them Finn Balor demons. Oh, don't. Oh, no comment, Cincy. Bad, Cincy. Moderate yourself, Cincy. Moderate yourself. Um. Anyway, let's move on and talk about them Cowboys because they, we got some. We got some interesting news to talk about the Cowboys. So, I mentioned this on yesterday's uh, live stream, the the game day preview. By the way. I have a game day preview every week on youtube.com forward slash real take sports every Sunday morning, 1130 a.m. I am here talking about every game on Sunday, and I actually talked about this a little bit there, but I got some new uh, facts and, and some new information about what happened here, and we'll, we're going to talk about it a little more in depth. So, um, so Lyle Collins, a 28-year-old offensive tackle on the Dallas Cowboys. There we go. See, that's what happens when I don't. Uh, when I don't uh, practice before, I wrote I I wrote down all the topics like literally five minutes before I went on the air. <laughs> anyway, but let, let's get back to it, guys. Sorry about that. So Leo Collins, a 28-year-old offensive tackle in the Dallas lineup, has started over 62 games over the span of his career since 2015, and he soon will be missing a few games because of suspension. Cowboys offensive tackle was suspended by the NFL after trying to make a bribe. Yes, trying to make a bribe uh, with a, or sorry, trying to bribe a drug collector, a drug test collector rather. You know what? Take three because I suck at my job, don't I? <laughs> We're going to try that one more time because I suck. Um, anyway. Leo Collins, offensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, suspended five games for trying to bribe, yes, bribe a drug test collector from the NFL. And this is something that has made a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans very uneasy because they're already missing one offensive tackle. And now they're going to be missing another key piece in their offensive line for games to come. So the story here is, and it's kind of crazy, the original time he was suspended, he was suspended for trying to bribe this this drug test collector and also there were some other factors that went into it collins apparently had missed seven tests over the past few months so that combined with this bribing attempt the nfl came down on him said hey you can't do this five game suspension boom the nflpa then came around and said hey we're going to negotiate here so they negotiated it down they said okay Come on, let's negotiate this down. There were some reasons why he missed these tests. It's not as bad. Uh, we know he did something wrong, but okay. They negotiated down to a two-game suspension. Going going from five games to two games, that's pretty good if you ask me, but Collins obviously was not satisfied. So here's what happened. So after he got his suspension moved down to two games, Collins, who was not satisfied, appealed using an independent arbitrator. And then when the when the decision from that independent arbitrator came up, he ruled in favor of the original five-game suspension. So what happened here is Collins tries to bribe a, a drug test collector in the NFL. Boom, slapped with a five-game ban. NFLPA, on their own accord, comes in and says, all right, cool, we're going to bring it down to two games. Come on, guys. Collins says, no, I'm not trying to miss any time. Goes to an independent arbitrator. Bam, five-game suspension right back at him. So... All I can say is, tough luck, man. That's the NFL. <laughs> like, that's the game that you tried to play. That is, that's what happens sometimes. And it sucks. It truly sucks. I, I like, I, I mean, look, I, we don't know the, the exact details of, of what went down between him and this drug test collector. But what I do know is, if this is true, if he genuinely tried to bribe this drug test collector, running under that assumption, dog, just... I would, I would just, I would have left it alone. They already, they negotiated your original band down to two games. 
He would have been playing next week. He would have been playing next week had he just accepted that two-game ban. Instead, now, he's going to be missing games until mid-October. So, right now, if you're if you're Leo Collins, you're just, you got to be scratching your head like, man, I, I'm, I messed up. And, and look, is it a bad look for him? Again, we don't know whether he, this what the details are about this, but if he actually did it, damn right, it's a bad look. I'll tell you who it definitely is a bad look for, Dak Prescott. If I'm Dak Prescott, I'm pissed. I'm already missing uh I'm already missing Smith, my best offensive tackle. On top of that, I'm going to miss Collins. I'm going to miss my other offensive tackle. My uh, my other line is all, the other members of my line are dealing with injuries. My defense isn't as good as it was in years past. Ezekiel Elliott is just a non-factor in most games. What's going on here? Dak is basically running this entire team, running the ship by himself. And right and right now he needs all the help he can get. So Collins, if he just eaten the two game ban, he would have been playing next week. But now instead, he's going to be missing multiple games and the one who loses the most is Dak Prescott because they 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 already were struggling to block for him before and it's just going to get worse and worse the longer these linemen are out. And it's also a bad look for the Cowboys. The Cowboys organization, they are always talked about. They are always one of the most prominent organizations as far as TV coverage and, and whatnot. But it is just it, it, it's just crazy to see. Also, I'm just like, man, come on. Come on, man. Like, if you did it. Again, a big if. But if he did it. Dog, just eat the two games. I would have eaten the two games if I did it. Like, okay, lesson learned. All right, I just move on. Just move on. But obviously, he had his reasons not to. So we'll, we'll see if anything comes out of this. But I'm just like, man, there's a huge difference than missing two games and missing five games, especially for the Dallas Cowboys. It can fall apart very quickly for Dallas. Things can be ruined very quickly for Dallas, as we've seen in years past. So Leo Collins, man. Hopefully he learns. Hopefully, hopefully he learns, man. Sometimes also, like for anyone for anyone saying that, you know, I'm saying that, oh, well, he definitely did it. I don't know if he did it. I don't know what the what the exact details are. I just know what's being reported and, and what people are alleging. And it looks like after careful consideration, both the NFL, the NFLPA, and independent arbitrators have seen evidence that this did happen. So if it did, if the facts are correct, then man. It just it just sucks to suck. <laughs> That's the truth. Um. Anyway, guys, um, if you like this, if you liked our content, be sure to hit that like button. Help out the algorithm. Help the channel grow. Subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. So, Leo Collins, what he did was honestly, when we talk about it, you know, it's a fun thing. It, it's pretty goofy, but it's definitely not the goofiest thing I heard about in sports this week. No, 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 my friends. The goofiest thing to happen in sports this week or that I heard about that happened in sports this week, it's definitely involves uh, this guy, Kyrie Irving. So um, we'll talk about it. I'll get to some chat questions in just a second, but I need to talk about this. So Kyrie Irving, uh, sorry, Kyrie Irving, man, this guy, I'm just, he's, look, not getting political, not getting too political. I'm just stating facts here. So Kyrie Irving apparently looks like he's going to be missing home games for the New York or, or Brooklyn Nets, and it's not a good thing. So Irving looks like he's going to be missing. I'm just two takes today. It's just two takes for me today all the time. Kyrie Irving looks like he's going to be missing home games for the Brooklyn Nets for the time being after he after reports said that he has not gotten the vaccine and and a lot of Nets fans are worried because now he might not be available for home games if Irving doesn't get at least one dose of the vaccine before the season starts. Not only would he be subjected to stricter guidelines set by the league for non-vaccinated players, but he would also be unable to play in any of the Nets' home games for the foreseeable future. New York City and San Francisco passed vaccination requirements for indoor activities, which include uh, professional sporting arenas. That means that players competing for the Nets, Knicks, and now Warriors must be vaccinated in order to play in home games. Now, a lot of people are wondering, you know, what are the rules if you're unvaccinated? It includes daily testing, mask requirements in team facilities, also mandatory quarantine if you come in contact with anyone who has tested positive. 
Kyrie Irving isn't the only big name that is really uh, taking a stance against vaccines or, or, or at least chosen not to get vaccinated. Bradley Beal and Andrew Wiggins are two other people who actually risk missing game, playing games this season because of their vaccination status. So that that's the story here. Kyrie Irving also did not attend the uh, Nets media day in person th- this week. He instead just told the media to respect his privacy after he did not intend and uh, respect his privacy in relation to the a- the vaccination status. So a lot of people have a lot of questions. And biggest one of all is, what do we make of all this? So here's what I'll say. It is your decision. It is your decision whether or not you get vaccinated. That's fine. I'm not going to argue that. However, if you are a teammate of Kyrie Irving, right, if you're a teammate of Kyrie Irving, and especially a prominent teammate like Katie, you got you have to be at least slightly annoyed at the fact that Kyrie Irving could likely be missing home games in Brooklyn, which is again half the games you play. That Kyrie Irving is just automatically gonna miss half the games you play because of something as trivial as not getting a vaccine that has been proven to work and work extremely effectively. It has to be frustrating considering the fact that, you know. Kyrie Irving has not been on the court, and there are varying reasons why, and I'm not going to get into why, but it's got to be frustrating given that past, and it at least has to be frustrating given the fact that the Brooklyn Nets as a team, they this team, this core that they have built with James Harden, Blake Griffin, KD, and Kyrie, all four of them have not been on the court as consistently as anyone probably would like it. It's part of the reason they didn't go all the way to the NBA Finals last year. So, you're automatically putting yourself at a disadvantage right there. And it's going to hurt only the team. And it's going to hurt team chemistry if Kyrie Irving has to miss one all the games in New York City. But he's also going to end up missing games out in well, the one or two games, whatever they play out in uh, San Francisco against the Warriors. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a big deal in the long run. It's going to affect the record. It's going to affect the way they play. And it's going to affect... Honestly, I think a little bit of their team chemistry, and I think it already has affected it. Katie is someone who who likes Kyrie. Katie chose to go play with Kyrie in Brooklyn. They chose to go there together to build something, to build something that lasts, to win titles, not just one, multiple titles. Now, two years in, two two seasons in, they haven't done that, and. If this is going to happen, again, we don't know what the developments might be with with uh, future vaccination status mandates or what, ha- what have you in New York City. But it doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. As long as the vaccination rates nationally stay as low as they are, it doesn't look like New York City is going to budge on that. So it's a big deal for the Nets. And for Nets fans, it's got to be frustrating because you, you've witnessed Kyrie Irving and what he means to this team. And if he's not there... And again, it, there's other reasons. If you are missing games for personal reasons, if you're missing games for funerals or, or for mental health reasons, understood. But this can, for, for most rational people, is not a valid reason to miss games. And it shouldn't be. And it's because it's not. We, there's a lot of players out there, like we know Cole Beasley. He, he wrote a diss track. He, he was so offended by, by, the, by the vaccine. He was so offended by these vaccination requirements uh, at Bill Stadium. He wrote a diss track about it. Um, you know, there's other players who were very outspoken about it. And 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 again, Kyrie Irving is 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 not like you know out there cla- telling people not to get vaccinated. It's it's his own it's his own decision. Which again, that's fine. But it kind of goes to the whole point of this vaccine and some of the more national broad questions people are ask talking about when when or asking themselves about the vaccine and and these requirements. And one of the questions is that we're talking about nationally is, you know, should you get the vaccine, not just for yourself, but for those around you? And you could apply a very similar question to the Brooklyn Nets team. Should Kyrie Irving get the vaccine, not just for himself, but for the people he plays with, you know, for their sake, for the sake of the team, for the sake of the team doing better. And especially when it's been proven that the risks are very low and it's been proven that 
it doesn't it doesn't really affect you uh, in any way, especially people in Kyrie Irving's age range. He's only twenty nine. There's other there, there's other things. There there are people who legitimately can't get the vaccine, and I understand that. If there are people who legitimately cannot get the vaccine for health reasons, there are people who are pregnant, women who are pregnant can't get the vaccine. There's uh, you know, people with certain medical conditions, cancer, and uh, I believe they they're the, the, some of those people can't get the vaccine. I understand that. So if you're one of those people, that's fine. However, from everything I've seen, I don't know if Kyrie Irving is or isn't. However, assuming he's not. I think that it is just it, it's foolish for him to put his teammates in that position and it's going to only hurt the team, hurt their chemistry and whatnot. It, so in my opinion, it's foolish. Um, and I just I, I think it's it's just not a good look for Kyrie Irving at this point, because one of the big knocks on him throughout his career has been that. He, he maybe maybe his whole mind or whatever isn't in basketball. Maybe his focus, rather, I should say, isn't in basketball and isn't uh, isn't really focused on the team itself. Which again, if you got to find yourself, that's one thing. But if you don't, but if you're putting th- these things off, if you're putting basketball off, you're putting your teammates in bad positions where they need you and you know they need you, but they can't win. It's it, it, it's disheartening, honestly, and it's got to create some frustration on team members. I know the Brooklyn Nets have reported that the Brooklyn Nets organization, they've been trying to get Kyrie Irving vaccinated or, or talking to him at least about the vaccine, and it's just not working. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, actually, he weighed in on this. He weighed in on this uh, and was very adamant about this. He said, quote, there's no room for players who are willing to risk the health and the lives of their teammates, staff and fans simply because they are unable to grasp the seriousness of the situation or do the necessary research. And he also went on to say, what I find especially disingenuous about the vaccine deniers is their arrogance at disbelieving uh, uh, medical experts. Yet, if their child was sick or they themselves needed emergency medical treatment, how quickly would they do exactly what those same experts told them to do? And that is a very logical, fair, and correct examination of not only this scenario, I think, but the scenario that's playing out nationwide. It doesn't take that much logic to really figure it out. Um, but... It is what it is. I I, un- I understand there's a lot of distrust. I understand all that, but the, the the facts are the facts, and they are honestly at this point just indisputable as far as you know what about the benefits of getting vaccinated versus not. And look, Kyrie Irving, that's his decision. He's gonna have to deal with it at the end of the day. But the unfortunate thing is, his teammates are going to have to as well. So, it is what it is. Um, doesn't affect my team. The Cavs are going to suck regardless. Anyway, let's go to the chat real quick. Um, uh, let's see. Cincy says, bad joke. Yes, Cincy, that was a terrible joke. Shame, shame, shame. Ryan Woodward says, when is Seth Rollins' contract up by two years? I think he just re-signed recently, so he's going to be there for a while. And Seth Rollins is not the type of guy to leave WWE. He's not going to leave the Fed. He is a WWE guy through and through. Um, Cincy asks, why would you try to bribe a drug collector? Cincy, I'm going to ask you to answer your own question. Why would someone try to bribe a drug collector? Think about it. Truly, think about it. Anyway, let's move on and get to one of the biggest stories of this weekend. Ravens kicker and future Hall of Famer Justin Tucker made NFL history on Sunday after he absolutely drilled a 66-yard NFL record field goal as time expired to give the Ravens a two-point win over the Detroit Lions, absolutely shattering the NFL record set by Matt Prater a few years ago of 64 yards. Tucker is now 16 of 16 in his career with field goals in the fourth quarter with just a minute to go. He is one of the best. He's also the most accurate kicker in the history of the league. He's held the title. He has held the title of most accurate kicker in NFL history since 2015. That is a feat. 
Is Justin Tucker the greatest kicker in NFL history? I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm a Ravens fan, yes, but I'm also someone who's watched Tucker, seen what he could do up close, personal, and I've seen what Adam Vinatieri did as well, but I'm telling you, when it's all said and done, Justin Tucker will be the greatest kicker to ever lace up a pair of boots. He will be the greatest kicker to ever kick the ball. He is the great he's going to be the greatest kicker in NFL history. And it's not just because of how clutch he is. It's not just because, you know, there's a recency bias. That's what I heard a lot of people online. Oh, well, Tucker really isn't that great. There's a recency bias. Are you kidding me? No one can deny, first of all. There's a lot of people out there First of all, no one can deny the greatness of Justin Tucker. He just made a 66-yard game-winning field goal as time expired. That is the most clutch thing you will ever see from any game. That is a that is an, a, an, a feat that has never been done in the history of this league, and we all witnessed it on Sunday. So I don't want to hear things like, oh, well, it wasn't that great, or, or he's not that great. He is great. He has been great. Since he came in the league, he's the most accurate kicker. All time, if you look at his stats, he's the most accurate kicker. And I'm going to go back and say this. Justin Tucker has held the title of most accurate kicker since the year 2015. And I'm not saying if you go back to 2015 uh, and take all the field goals then, he's the most accurate. No, 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 no. All time, including their list of people who are retired, including Adam Vinatieri for their entire career, Justin Tucker's make percentage has been the most accurate in NFL history since 2015. He has held that title. And that, the consistency, the fact that he's held the title of most accurate kicker for the past six seasons is insane. So, the doubters, please stop doubting the greatness of Tucker. I understand. Adam Vinatieri made game-winning kicks in the playoffs, made game-winning kicks in the Super Bowl. No one's denying the greatness of Adam Vinatieri. Just because you accept the greatness of one doesn't mean you have to deny the other. That's the problem I have with a lot of sports talks analysts these days. They just want to say one person's great, the other one's just absolute garbage. That's not how this works. There's room for people to be great. Multiple people to be great. Justin Tucker, in my opinion, is the greatest kicker in NFL history. And look, the dude is clutch. He's got ice in his veins. But it, it, don't take my word for it. The, the kicking position, the, the, the position of kicker has something that's been ridiculed for a very long time as people who aren't part of the game, as people who aren't teammates. They're just there. They're, they're basically golf players. We hear a lot of tropes from former NFL players. And, you know, a lot of that is true. Sometimes kickers, they're, they're really detached from the team. They're, the players don't really respect the kickers, what have you. Can't say that about Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker was the most talked about thing on Twitter for all Sunday. He was one of the most talked about topics all day. And for good reason. Not only, not only did he break the record. But there was an outpouring of not just amazement at what he did. But respect from past teammates. all like A lot of prominent past teammates. From Justin Forsett to Torrey Smith. To, um, to, to, to a lot of other people. Um, including current teammates like Le'Veon Bell, who he hasn't even been playing with up until recently, and from players throughout the league, Emmanuel Achu, now an analyst for Fox Sports, uh, Ryan Clark, Dan Orlovsky, uh, a lot of other people from all different walks of football have come out in support of Justin Tucker, in respect of Justin Tucker, because not only has he been so great, he has been so great for the longest time, and... They are genuinely happy to see his greatness recognized because that was not an easy kick. Anyone who says, well, oh, you're just making field goals, six, kick it from 66 yards. Kick a 66-yard field goal with the game on the line and try to make it. I'm going to go with the words of... I'm going to go with the words of someone on Twitter. I forgot who exactly it was, but they put it very, very appropriately. If the fate of the world is on the lines, the aliens invade, they got a laser pointed, pointed at Earth... And the fate of the world is on the line, and I gotta put it. And I gotta put the fate of the world on someone's legs. I don't care if he's eighty. I'm going with Justin Tucker because he's gonna make it. He's he's got ice in his veins, and he is. I think 
a, a not only one of the greatest kickers of all time, he's a future Hall of Famer. Yes, a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he is going to be one of the all-time greats in NFL history because, because he was so good. He is so good, and he's only 31, and he has been in, he's already being put down as one of the greats. It is so insane to see, but if you watch closely, if you watch his career, career closely, you already knew that. But big ups to Justin Tucker, man. Justin, you are truly great. Anyway, that's enough of me uh, talking about Justin Tucker. Yeah, uh, if you guys haven't already, please hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. I think uh, that's just about it. Uh, unless you guys have any final questions, I think we're done. But it's been fun talking to you guys. This has been Real Take Sports Talk number 56. Please hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Hit the links in the de- in the episode description. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, hit that follow button. Share this podcast as well. Hit up patreon.com forward slash Real Take Sports for exclusive early access to videos that are not going to be out for a number of months they're going to start coming out this week weekly on the channel so get ready to see a lot or on on the patreon channel so get ready to see a lot of those fairly soon again patreon.com forward slash real take sports for all of that in the meantime i've been omer from real take sports i will see you guys tomorrow night for real take wrestle talk right here on the channel i will see you have a good one